Welcome to episode 121 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week, my guest is Andrea Ascendio. She joined the National Guard in high school and began going to college after high school, but became a mom and was struggling to make ends meet working at McDonald's. She and her boyfriend at the time saw the military as an opportunity as a stable paycheck. Because she had completed boot camp and advanced individual training, the Army happily took her on active duty. But because she was a single parent, she had to get married to be in the military. So she got married to her son's father, and they went off to Fort Bragg. Eventually, she went through the Green to Gold program, which is where you go from being enlisted to being an officer. So we talked about that experience as well. And she recently transitioned out of the military during COVID. So we talked about how COVID affected her transition story and what she's doing today. It's another great interview, so let's get started. Season 3 of the Women of the Military podcast. Here you will find the real stories of female service members. I'm Amanda Huffman. I am an Air Force veteran, military spouse, and mom. I created Women of the Military podcast in 2019 as a place to share the stories of female service members past and present with the goal of finding the heart of the story while uncovering the triumphs and challenges women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Welcome to the show, Andy. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military? Well, Amanda, actually, it was pretty simple. I needed some coins. <laughs> I needed some coins. I actually, at the age of 19, I was already married and had a baby on my hip. So I went from East Carolina University, dropout, to working at McDonald's, flipping burgers and serving fries, wasn't quite cutting it with the diapers and formula. So I signed up with uh, Uncle Sam. That sounds like a crazy story. Indeed. So... You had a baby. You were married. So what did your husband have to say when you said, I'm going to join the military? Well, I had kind of dabbled into the Army National Guard. I was probably in between uh, AWOL and drop some roll. <laughs> so it was like a second nature type choice. Uh, my husband actually joined a couple years after me. So he was completely fine with it. Again, we were struggling with, you know, basic necessities for our son. So the military provided a steady income in a way that you guys could provide for your son. And and so how old was your son when you went to boot camp? So again, I did the National Guard. So right. I actually joined when I was like 17 in 1997. So I was a junior in high school. So no kid yet. So you already had boot camp under your belt because you were in the National Guard and then did you just go into the National Guard office and be like, I need this to be a full-time thing? How do I make that happen? Or how did that all work? Yeah, so I stopped flipping burgers and I had my husband take me to the nearest recruiting station in Augusta. And I pretty much sold myself. I had already done basic training, AIT. I was already MOS qualified as a preventive medicine specialist. And so they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll sign you up. And my first duty station, even though I'm not airborne, was Great American Fort Bragg. Did your husband go with you down to your first assignment and was a military spouse? 
Let me back up. So we actually weren't married until I went active duty because I had a son. I was a single parent kind of sort of. So the army was basically not accepting single parents at the time. So that's when me and my husband went to the courthouse in Augusta, got married, packed our car with a couple of things and then drove straight down to Fort Bragg. So Jason actually stocked shelves at one of the AFES stores, Shopettes at night. And then I was a soldier during the daytime. Yeah, that's a crazy story. That is something that I know single parents have struggled with, with the way the laws were written. And I think that they've made it a little bit easier, but that's a challenge. And so luckily, you guys got married. That was the thing you needed to get married and go on your way to Fort Bragg, right? That is correct. We didn't work out. (laughs) Probably because we rushed to make it happen so that I could be a soldier. But yeah, you know, at the time we did what we thought was best for our our son. That makes sense. That's like one of the other problems with the military, like forcing single moms to get married so that you can be in. And it's like, maybe that's not the best situation for you. And yeah, so that's why it's good that the laws are changing so that you can serve and be a mom. And absolutely. So that makes that makes even more sense why it's so important that those laws get changed. I totally could have done it myself looking back. I didn't really... I don't really need Jason, but. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like? He was working nights and staying home with your son. You were in the army. And what was the dynamics of your life? You guys had like a stable income or were you still struggling to make ends meet? We were definitely struggling. Uh, I came in as a private first class. So we were definitely struggling to make ends meet. We fell into that vicious paycheck to paycheck cycle very quickly very quickly living above our means. I'm talking about the um, Omni loans, the payday loans, the Rent America furniture. Like we, we were definitely struggling to make ends meet. I think so much so that within two years, uh, my husband did end up joining to kind of make things a little bit better. And so it ended up bouncing out in the end. We were able to get rid of all that debt. Yeah, that's one of the like real challenges because the military does provide a stable income, but an enlisted, like a young enlisted pay person doesn't get paid really enough to support a family because it's kind of meant for like single people. And then when you add on a family, it doesn't go very far. It seems like it, though. A lot of civilians think that we have all this money, but it's really just a guaranteed paycheck. And so we get sucked into that. E1 and up, because my first car was like a lemon. He was like, E1 and up, you know, come up here and get you a car for 19% interest. And so I think it all comes down to education. I kind of wish my squad leader would have done a better job back in the 2000s on saying, hey, you know, make sure you don't fall prey to these, you know, businesses. Yeah. And that's a good thing because there's a lot of young women listening who are considering joining the military. And There are things to worry about of people preying on you. Like there are payday loans outside of the base that you don't need to go to. You can get a loan from the government if you're in really tough financials for interest free where they just take part of your paycheck instead of, like you said, the 19, 20 crazy percentage. So that's a good piece of advice and something that if you're joining the military, you really need to be aware of because people do try and take advantage of service members. Absolutely. So let's talk about what happened. So your husband was active duty and you were active duty. You guys were starting to get out of debt and get financially stable. And then what happened with your career? 
Um, so I served nine years uh, going to school at night. Um, I decided early on that I really wanted to be an officer. It was something about them not picking up rakes during clean sweep <laughs> that really, you know, interested interests me. So I uh, continued to go to school at night and I actually got accepted to the uh, Green to Gold Active Duty Program at the University of North Carolina at Pembroke which was about 45 minutes from Fort Bragg. And so I actually commissioned as a second lieutenant in May of 2009. I also got divorced in June 2009. A little bit of a lifestyle change, but um, I got commissioned into logistics or quartermaster. So from there, I just, uh, of course, had a couple more babies and, you know, went on through, went on through the ranks until I uh, recently retired as a major uh, in September of this year. So you were going to school at night and being a mom and doing all that stuff and getting everything done. And then you were accepted in the Green to Gold program, which is a program where you go from being enlisted to being an officer. And then you commissioned and you talked about how the officers didn't have to lift up a rank. Was it what you thought it was going to be like to be an officer? Yeah, I have to say so. Um, I did miss being around the soldiers. I found as the higher rank, higher the rank that I earned, the less interaction I actually um, got with the soldiers. Um, I want to say the most rewarding job that I ever had, and I would do it again today, was being a company commander. Of course, during that time, I was able to be around the soldiers, but I really enjoyed my 15 months in command. Yeah, I think so many women I've talked to who got to be commanders love that time because you get to you have people that you get to just pour into and see the impact of yes, change in your lives. Absolutely. You you joined National Guard in 97 and then 2001 happened with September 11th. So how did the army change from your perspective of like before September 11th and then after September 11th? Uh, well, I was at Fort Bragg and I was in the USASOC community, which was like special operations support. So it went from being very, very laid back to like fast paced overnight. Um, I was actually on the first chalk to go to Afghanistan, but I think something happened at the last minute and it ended up cutting a bunch of people. And so like I got the call the night before I was supposed to fly out that I ended up staying, you know, conus, but everything changed. Like the, the discipline, the things that we were allowed to do, the training went like 10X. So I think it still hasn't slowed down from 2001. Yeah, I don't think so. I went active duty in 2007 and it was like super high speed. And I don't feel like the military's changed in that aspect of like the training, the deployments. And I know the deployments have slowed down a lot since when I got out, but it's still like the training and we're at war and it's not, it's not laid back. Like not before. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so, so different. So did you end up deploying? You said that you were supposed to deploy and then last minute they cut you from deployment. Did you deploy while you were in the army? Oh, yeah. I got I got snatched up twice, but they were both when I was uh, an officer uh, and they were both while I was in the aviation brigade. So I went to Kand Kandahar, Afghanistan and Bagram, um, Afghanistan. So I was deployed two years. So was there a difference between the deployments in like uh, Kandahar is down south and I guess it would be I haven't been down there, but I was at Bagram a little bit hotter 
and like hotter as in hotter, but also a little bit hotter and like getting shot at? Or did you notice that? I did. I did. And um, I know in Kandahar, we lost because, again, I was in the aviation and they were shooting down helicopters left and right. So unfortunately, we lost a great deal of of people. But yes. And you know what? I want to say that even though we were in a combat zone after a while, and I can only speak for myself, I feel like everybody gets complacent. When I first got there, I was the first one to the bunker. But I, I think as things settle in, you're kind of a little bit slower to head in that direction. You kind of get complacent. You're kind of like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm way back here, you know, in Bagram or Kandahar, nothing's going to happen. But you just never know. Yeah, I think that's true. I remember the last week I was there, there was an incoming at Bagram. I didn't even wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my friend who woke up, he's like, I just waited in bed until the all clear. And then I was like, okay, I can go back to sleep because you do, you get kind of complacent because you're like, well, the round already went in. I'm still around, right? (laughs) Right. Instead of like the first night where you're like, what's that? Run into the bunker. Like, I think I beat everybody. I was like, oh my gosh. But then, you know, six months go by. You're like, oh, it's another one. I'm I'm all, it's all good. So did you go to Bagram first or Kandahar? Bagram first. Okay. I want to say 2010, I went to Bagram and 2014, I went to Kandahar. Okay. So you were at Bagram. I was deployed from February to October of 2010. So I wasn't at Bagram, but I went to Bagram a lot. And I felt like it was pretty laid back at Bagram. Like there was incoming every once in a while, but not my one of the people I interviewed Vanessa, a few episodes, well, a long episode, a lot of episodes ago, she went in like 2013 and she said there was incoming like every single day and it was like totally different. Like they had to wear their gear all the time and just a totally different experience. So yeah, that's crazy. So what was it like being a mom and being away from your kids in a war zone? I think that was worse than being gone or being in a deployed um, combat zone was leaving my children. The first time was painstaking. I remember uh, dropping them off. So I lived in Savannah and I remember taking a three hour drive to Augusta um, with my two boys at the time. And I remember just we didn't play any music. There was no talking. It was me just driving straight ahead, thinking about, you know, oh my gosh, I'm about to leave my babies. Not for a little like getaway trip, you know, to Vegas or something, but for a year or more. And I'm not even going to be in the same country as them, you know. And uh, again, I told you I was divorced with their father and I was I'm trusting this this man with my two most precious possessions, you know, so I was really worried. And then there was always this little thing in the back of your mind that says, oh my gosh, you know, what if this is the last time that I see them? And nobody can take care of your children like mama. I don't care (laughs) what anybody says, your sister, grandma, mama, whatever. Nobody can replace mommy. So it was heart-wrenching. I actually pulled up, left the car still running, uh, took their stuff out, kissed them and got back in the car and drove off. I couldn't I couldn't stay. It was it was horrible. The second time was not so bad because I ended up going again within four years. So I was kind of used to it, but it still hurt. And your ex-husband took care of the kids both times? Yes. And did he get out of the army before you did? He was uh, discharged. We'll just leave that. <laughs> so he didn't have to worry about deploying and that's it. Yeah, because that adds a whole nother level of dynamics. 
that'd be another good question. Because in 2010, when I was at Bagram, there was like MWR tents. But by the time I left, there was Wi-Fi on Bagram. So when you got there, was there Wi-Fi in the all the tents? Oh, yeah. I remember having the Roshan cell phone and, and everything. I think I had took my Magic Jack with me and Skype. So I was able to talk to the kids whenever I wanted. That's great. When I got there, um, well, we were at a FOB and we didn't ever have Wi-Fi. But when we got back to Bagram to like go go home, there was Wi-Fi. And I was like, this is like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you didn't have to wait for a computer and you could just you know, set up your computer wherever you were mm-hmm. and you had Wi-Fi is amazing. Yeah. I was still able to talk to my kids' teachers and conferences and everything. So yeah, Wi-Fi was definitely in. Yeah. So that makes a big difference as a, being a mom or in, or a parent at all, just because you have that ease of communication to talk back home and stay connected with your family. And like you were really involved, conference calls with teachers and all the stuff that, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you deployed twice. And then when did you get out of the army? Just recently, right? September. Yeah. So October 1st was like my first official month, like out, out. But I took leave in June. But COVID really messed things up. Yeah, I was just going to say, well, if you just got out and there was COVID, because COVID hit, you had already dropped your paperwork and you had your plan and then like COVID hit in March and then you started your leave in June. So how did COVID mess everything up? Because we know it messed everything up. First of all, the the trips I was going to take with my children to celebrate that mommy's out uh, was a no-go. I was taking my children to Egypt this year. Um, as a thank you for everything um, trip that got canned. All of the out processing, soldier for life, all that was, I don't want to say half-assed, but that's what it was because of <laughs> because of COVID. Um, nobody's really hiring right now uh, because of COVID. So it really threw a wrench in it. Not to mention my VA benefits. I turned in my VA packet in June and I have yet to receive my QTC exams for my disability because of uh, COVID. They're not doing any um, exams right now. Man, that messed up like every aspect of your transition. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I think some people might assume like, oh, you, you're like you're gonna have a harder time finding a job because people aren't hiring. The economy's bad. But then it's like the VA, your Soldier for Life out processing, which is the transition assistance program. Everything. Everything was was pretty much pencil whip. Hey, this is a, what's your plan? How are your finances? Okay, great. You can sign my initials for me. And I was like, what? Really? And then she was like, yeah, just put t- just put TS on there. It's fine. Over the phone. That was my transition, more or less. Yeah, that's really hard. That's yeah. And especially waiting on the VA at a time where like the, you need the money, you need you need all these things. I do. They said don't accept the check until uh April of 2021. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. That's so hard. Yeah, I think I think that we don't realize how much COVID has disrupted so many different things and so many different parts of our life, especially like transitioning. Because I was thinking when my husband retires, 
we already have a trip planned like you to celebrate. And I was like, if that was this year, it would have been canceled. And it's kind of like you had that window of like leave mm-hmm. filled up and that's what we're planning on doing too. And so it's not like, oh, we'll just do it next year because you don't have to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had it all planned out. I had a travel agent. Like this was a big thing. You know, I have uh, four children. We were all going, my husband. It was a big congratulation thing. So no military reception, no retirement. All of the money and effort was going towards our trip to Egypt to see the pyramids and it got canned. That makes me so sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's a real bummer. Because I, I, I mean, I'm already looking forward to our trip. So I can like really empathize with how much I hope your trip goes <laughs> yeah. I, hope so I hope we don't have another pandemic in five or five or ten years from now whenever we get out oh that'd be so sad so let's talk a little bit about like the struggle of getting out and being in a place where like nobody's hiring and before covid i bet you felt really good about getting out of the military and you had a plan and then covid happened and your plan just kind of blew up in smoke like not only the trip got canceled but it's not an easy uh, job market I'm pretty active on LinkedIn I've seen how hard it is for people so what is your next step right now what are you trying to do to because the cool thing about military people is they just keep going forward definitely resilient (laughs) definitely um, speaking of resiliency um, I'm in a certification that's called resilience team building So I'll be a certified resilience facilitator. So I'm hoping that I'll be able to have some letters behind my name to make my uh, resume stand out a little bit. But looking back, if I could give a tip to the listeners, definitely take advantage of school while you're in the military. I've been in 22 years and I don't have a master's degree. I have a degree in biology, which means I could probably teach P.E., (laughs) or be a substitute teacher, which is not something that I want to do. So, of course, you know, I'm thinking, hey, you know, I'm a major in the Army. Surely, you know, there's something out there for me. It is not the case unless I want to take a a pay cut. Now, I know I'm not going to get paid six figures like I would, you know, as a major in the military with no master's degree. But surely I thought that I would be able to find something but I'm behind the power curve in terms of certification and education. So I'm really kicking myself in the behind with not going to school further because I definitely had time and opportunity to pursue um, higher learning. Yeah, that's great advice. I think sometimes we are like, oh, well, I'm good. I have my degree. I have this military background. But then if you... Don't keep getting those certifications, especially like if if getting your master's is so important and then all those like certifications that you need on the civilian side, it's so important to prepare for that. And do it while it's free. It's free. Tuition assistance is free, even for officers. You know, you, you have a, lim- a unlimited education. So definitely wish I would have went back and took that uh, master's now. I am doing project management at home because of COVID, the course <laughs> is at home, but it's tough doing it at online. So yeah, it's definitely tough. Yeah, that is so tough. So is there anything else from your time in the military that we didn't cover? Because I feel like I kind of whoop, jumped to COVID, got too excited. 
I do want to say that um, I decided instead of putting myself first, like usual with my career, that I retired because I wanted to put my family first. Um, I got selected for major and then I also got selected for a resident school, which would have took me to Kansas for nine months. So I would have went to school for nine months, took my family. Then I would have PCS again to God knows wherever. And just looking back, I just couldn't put my family through two PCS moves right now. I have a um, 20-year-old, 17, 9, and 2 years old. And my husband is a warrant officer in another state. So I would have had to take, well, not the 20-year-old, I would have had to take the other three kids with me and we would have had to move around. So this time, instead of asking them to sacrifice for me, I went on ahead and, you know, bowed out gracefully so that I could, you know, give that time back to my kids. So sometimes you just have to know when it's time to go. So I do feel sad. You know, I do miss interaction with people. I do miss leadership and mentoring others. But I felt like it was just time to, you know, have my family first for for once, which is something I didn't do in the past. Yeah, I think that's really important to talk about because the military does ask so much Especially when you're dual military, because you said your husband's a chief warrant officer. And is he and you guys were living separately before you got out and now you guys are together or are you still separate? We're still separate. He's at Fort Bragg and I'm in Savannah near Fort Stewart. So, yeah, we've been separated almost a year and a half now and there's no jobs where he is. That's why I'm not there yet. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, that's really challenging. And it's. Unfortunately, it's a part of like being in the military sometimes like the military asks for you to do things and you either do it or like you said, you didn't want to put your family through that again. And so you decided to make the choice to get out and put your family first. And I think the military's trying to change it, or at least they're trying to change the word to make the military more family friendly. But there's a certain point where the military is the military and like they send you off to war they send you to training they send you where they need you to be and there's an amount of sacrifice that can never be changed absolutely yeah especially being a woman you know as a major my boss did not want to hear my daycare clothes at five (laughs) o'clock and I have small children like a two-year-old who had to be picked up and so you know my boss may smile and say sure Andy go ahead but in in the back he's probably like man you know I really needed her to stay later and I found myself overcompensating because I knew, you know, at a certain time every day, Major Ascendio had to leave. Like, unless it was an emergency, I had to go home, <laughs> you know? So I felt that was another reason why as you get more uh, up in rank, you get more responsibility and there's just certain things that are expected of you. And I'm sure other women are doing it or juggling it all. But for me, it just became a little bit more difficult. That's so true. Yeah, my husband's a major in the Air Force and... He sometimes doesn't come home when I want (laughs) (laughs) A lot. And sometimes it's really frustrating because I'm like, the only reason you can do what you're doing is because I'm at home with the kids. And if you didn't have me. Right. Absolutely, Amanda. (laughs) Yes. It's a lot of work on like the spouses or like single parents because your husband is separated from you and you were a single mom. It's like, it's so much work to be in the military and to be able to balance home life so that but yet it's still frowned upon when I can't stay past 4 (laughs) 30 it's still like Andy you can't stay past 4 30 no sir I have to pick him up by 5 15 every day remember okay you know it's just like okay no worries 
Yeah, and what was it like during COVID, like in March when everything, like all the daycares closed and you still are in the military? And I know some bases like work from home, but other other people's bases stayed open. So what was that challenging dynamic of those last two or three months before you were on your leave? Uh, well, thankfully, uh, my replacement was already there. So I was not expected to be at work as often. I'm still very patriotic. I still want to give my best to the very end. So I still went in, you know, when I could. But yes, when daycares were closed, it, you know, having a toddler, it was very hard. Uh, there was a couple of times my next door neighbor, thank God, <laughs> I was able to say, hey, you know, I do have to run in for a couple of hours. Do you mind? And she's like, oh, no, absolutely. So she was kind of like my family care plan, if you will. So I work, um, I support Warrior Transition Battalion. So we're kind of like an auxiliary to the hospital. So we were open. Yeah, I think that's like a really hard dynamic because my friend was, she was transitioning around the same time that you were and her husband was active duty and like she would go in for the morning for a few hours and then he would go in and then she'd go back in the after like late evening. And it was, it was really challenging because they have two young kids and they didn't have childcare and it was like, she's like, when am, when's my last day of this? Because I can't do this. Tough. And then uh, um, senior leaders, no matter what, were still expected to be there. It didn't matter about your child care or whatever you had. You had to figure it out and get to work as soon as possible. Yeah, that's so crazy. And I think that's another aspect of like being in the military. The military requires sacrifice. There's a mission. And like, even during a pandemic, it's the work still has to be done. And, and I think sometimes the military is a little slow on like teleworking. Because there, when I was in there was like civilians could telework, but military couldn't. I'm like, we're doing the same job. Right. <laughs> Can I just do it from home? Yeah. So you told us your transition advice that you would get certification, get your master's, try and get as much as you could while you're in the military. What advice would you give to young women who are considering joining the military? You know, we are like crushing it with breaking barriers like almost every week. So I say get out there, get your get yourself dirty and do it. If you want to be an infantry infantry officer, infantry man, if you want to drive tanks, I think the sky is the limit. I say go out there and do it. But just make sure that you find somebody, another woman that is in the same field that, that you're in for accountability and for leadership. With all the sexual harassment and sexual assaults going on, you know, they, a lot of those predators like to prey on new soldiers, new newbies. So I would say find somebody that you can trust in your service and get out there and make it happen. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that advice. And there is, there's so much positive things happening that women can break barriers, be making this amazing change. But I agree that you need to find a mentor or someone that you can go to for advice. And if you're considering joining the military, I have a free girl's guide to the military on my website. And when this airs, I'll have a YouTube channel uh, to help women who are considering joining the military. So you can go check that out. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And if you have any questions about military life, you can always email me so or find me on social media. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. I really enjoyed hearing the different aspects of your story, being enlisted, being a single parent, going to be an officer, all 
deploying, leaving behind kids, and then transitioning during COVID, we covered a lot. So we did. Oh, Amanda, I didn't even talk about Veteran B. I'm so sorry. I wasn't oh. thinking about it. I wasn't even thinking about it. So I launched Veteran B, and it is a female veteran-inspired apparel line, really just a t-shirt line, because I feel like women are underappreciated in the military. And so I have like 10 or 15, I don't even remember, 15 t-shirts that say female veteran, alpha female, grace and honor equals female veterans. And it's really just a conversation starter because I'm proud of my service and I hate going to Lowe's and them asking my husband for the freaking military discount. That's something simple, something minute, but it's like, hey, I served, you know, I did my time and I think that we deserve more appreciation, more more, there's more room at the table for people like us. That's so true. And I have debated on starting a clothing line, and now I don't have to because I'm oh. you. <laughs> I'll put links to your um, website so that people, your website for everyone. Yeah, it's, it's veteranb.com. And I could do uh, Airmen to Mom link. So if they put Airmen to Mom, they can get 10% off. So I'll do that as soon as I get off the call. So we'll be good to go. Yeah, veteranb.com, B-E-E. All right, I'll put a link to that in the show notes and I'll put the discount code so that people can find it. And I'm going to go check it out because Veterans Day is coming up. Yeah. Recording this, obviously, when it airs, it'll be a little later. But we'll be able to share that. And yeah, definitely take a look and see what you like. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Amanda. listening to this week's episode of women of the military podcast do you love all things women of the military podcast become a subscriber so you never miss an episode and consider leaving a review it really helps people find the podcast and helps the podcast to grow are you still listening you could be a part of the mission of telling the stories of military women by joining me on patreon at patreon.com slash women of the military or you can order my book women of the military on amazon every dollar helps Helps to continue the work I am doing. Are you a business owner? Do you want to get your product or service in front of the Women of the Military podcast audience? Get in touch with the Women of the Military podcast team to learn more. All the links on how you can support Women of the Military podcast are located in the show notes. Thanks again for listening and for your support.